Hello, and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we got in store today? All right. Today we have Jeff Ward. Jeff is a lawyer. He's a musician. Recovering lawyer. <laughs> he is a recovering lawyer. What, what, and, what instrument do you play? Oh, keyboards, drums, man. What is he, what is he I did not, not know. He had no idea? I, know. Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. I knew he was a music fan. I didn't know he played instruments. Well, I grew up in a music ministry family. So wow. so we were a little bit like the Partridge family. We kind of, oh my gosh. You like know. four people are going to know what you do the Partridge family. <laughs> yeah. The Partridge family kids <laughs> so, yeah. was a show back in the state. The people who don't know are listening to the Porch's millennial podcast. That's it. Anyway, okay. so all of our, all so, of our audience knows. in addition to being a recovering lawyer and a musician, Jeff is also uh, our director of external focus. And so second time on the podcast. Welcome back, brother. Thank you. Um, so we've actually got a topic today, Jeff, but it was kind of fun as we were powering everything up in here. I asked you just kind of you know, about external focus, what people normally think about external focus in the church, and it just kind of tweaked you a little bit, and it got a little rise out of you. So uh, why don't we start there with some hot sports opinions, and then we'll jump into the topic. Hot sports opinions. So I think I think what I'm most frustrated about is just me, you know, and I think the the years that I spent thinking of external focus or missional engagement is simply what I affectionately call turkey dinners and toy baskets. And so, you know, outreach for me a lot growing up was sort of finding under-resourced families and taking them turkey dinners at Thanksgiving and toy baskets at Christmas. And usually these were families that we had no connection with before and really none after. And yet we felt like we were hitting it out of the park in terms of engaging people initially. And um, and so I think, you know, through just great resources and books and authors and um, folks that have done, you know, community outreach for decades, we've just learned more and more about how do we be image bearers and see those that we serve as image bearers and make sure that in our giving, we're not taking. So we're not um, taking away dignity, value, and worth from people as we serve them. And usually that means building relationships. And so even as we've now sort of structured our outreach with uh, around the anchor of relationships, um, I get frustrated at the years that I spent not doing that, doing it wrong, well-intentioned, but yeah, wrong. It's so good. Yeah, Jeff is a one of the best activators we have uh, on our on our staff team, and yet he does he activates like very thoughtfully. He doesn't just do stuff, and so it's one of the things, one of the many things I appreciate about you, Jeff. All right. So the subject today, as we're talking about mobilizing the church, I think is any church leader is going to feel this tension and this this desire for their you know for their the flock that they're leading their church body to not just be focused internally on themselves which we absolutely have to do and when we shepherd the flock and take care of one another but we also are to be engaged in our communities and so is this something uh, is this a universal struggle that you've seen in your years of ministry do all churches struggle with this is it just our church that struggles with this what what's some of your experience jeff yeah i think we all struggle with that i think um, deep down we know um, and that God has this amazing vision um, to restore and redeem communities and to advance his kingdom on earth. And the way that he has um, brought about to do that is through this institution of the church. And that's really you know, something I told you guys is that God's grown in me just this conviction that the church is really the only institution, not government, not education, not um, politics, but the only institution where God said, hey, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we are... We, the church, not the building, not the programs, but the people are his execution arm to do that. In some mystical way, he lets us, he invites us in to be co-redeemers of our communities by drawing people to himself. Yeah, and so you get the opportunity. I mean, it really is that. You have this opportunity to spend most of your time thinking about how to get our church engaged here where we are locally in Dallas and then in Plano and in Fort Worth as well. And 
uh, soon to be Frisco. And so, uh, so what we want invited you on here today was just to talk about how do you do this? Like, what are some ways you think about mobilizing the church to be engaged in the community? And so you've got three or four principles here that you're going to share with our audience, I think are going to be really, really helpful. So the first one that you have talked about is just this shift in perspective. When you think about mobilizing our church, one of the first things you want to do is you want to get the people to start to think about themselves themselves differently. What do, what do you uh, What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think it starts with a perspective of, man, is the church, again, the people, the body of Christ, uh, are we an army or an audience? Like, I mean, do we come on the weekends to, to listen to messages, to, um, to put our kids into ministry programs, or are we truly an army to be deployed? And that, you know, I'm using military language for a purpose. You know, I mean, even the, what we say around here in terms of, hey, we're not a cruise ship, we're a battleship. I mean, it, you know, it's just as one of our things that our core yeah. values, it's because we want to, the purpose of a battleship is to deploy people, to take them to the front lines, to equip and provide the resources that they need to do, to be effective where they're headed. That's good. I mean, even in the early days, it was funny. We talked about, you know, being a, a battleship and not a cruise ship. And <laughs> I mean, we did a kind of our, the first vision cast of our, um, of our building, our building. And, um, rather than show a church, we actually put a, showed a picture of a battleship, which was, it was a metaphor. We were never going to build a battleship, but I had people call and say, are you guys really building a battleship? <laughs> it had like a <laughs> moat around oh, it. Oh, it had like, a, like, you know, guys, and like, no, well, not, not literally a battleship, but yes, absolutely. And that's part of our language here is that uh, we're, it's just not a place to come be entertained. This is a place uh, to be on mission, you know, or in your vernacular, like, literally in battle or at, at war um, with things that are dark and evil. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, just play on that for a second, you know, <clears throat> the statistics even bear this out, you know, where our communities more and more, they don't view the church as a solution. In fact, they view the church as part of the problem. Yeah. And yet on the other side, we know that 98% of evangelicals especially view their faith as a force for good. So there's this latent um, desire in our people they want to. They want to be. They want to be, and they want to do. You know, they want to find out what that Ephesians two ten ministry is. They want to find out what that they've got a holy discontent. They just don't know what to do with that. So, how do you like practically? How do you communicate this perspective shift that hey, you are an army, you are not an audience? What does what does that look like practically for you guys? Yeah. So I think I think part of it is we start with the why. We start with man a theology of who God is, you know, it starts there. I think, you know, for me, a lot of my um, Christianity, you know, was sort of, I would start with sin and end with salvation. And I never really thought about the first two chapters of Genesis and the last two chapters of Revelation, which is God's original design for his world, that it would be in harmony and it would be in peace. It would be uh, in relationship with himself and with each other and with ourselves. Um, and then, of course, sin entered that picture, and then we, we were broken, and we went off the rails. But ultimately, um, his desire is to restore all that to his original um, design. And, and so, I always kind of marked time, and I didn't know what I was really supposed to do now with my faith. That's good. So, yeah. So, if, if the leader's listening uh, to this and are thinking about mobilizing their body, they need to understand that that's what many people in their congregation are thinking. Um, you know, um, sin to salvation, not not the bookends of scripture and what God wants to do uh, to use us. And so it might be crystal clear to you in your head as a leader, but it's not in uh, the pew. And so as part of your job as a, you know, as a leader is to make sure they understand what this is all about. And you have to take that extra step, I think, um, you know, to help them use your word, get the proper perspective before you start calling in stuff, which I thought was really good. Yeah, that's awesome. 
they got to know where they are in the story, right? And so, so we're big, we're big Star Wars fans, right? And so when The Force Awakens came out, I, I got on line and I thought I'm going to bless my family and I bought these tickets. And um, we go in and I show my tickets to this guy and he goes, we don't even have this row. Where did you get these tickets? And um, we go through a number of different people and finally we talk to this manager. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the big movies like this, we, we bring in a row of folding chairs and we set them up. And so he set up these folding chairs down at the front of the theater. And by the time we stumble into the dark, the movie has been going for about 10 minutes and we, you know, we sit right in the front and we're looking straight up at the screen and we have no idea what's been going on or we can only see this part of the screen. Our heads are like ping pong, you know, we're going back and forth and there was chaos. We didn't know where that was in the story. We didn't know what we were seeing. And, and I think that's a lot of people in the church. You know, I feel like we don't know where we are in God's story between this Genesis 1 and 2 and this, the last two chapters of Revelation. And so if we know who we are and what we were designed to do and that God has a purpose for us while we're here, then I think we're on the right track. Have you watched the movie though? Like, did you figure it yeah, out? We actually had to buy tickets to come back. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> we did. So the musician in you, you wanted front row seats. Yeah. You're, you're like, family, yeah. like we won. Was, I, I got yeah. you back. Right. I thought, Dad, I thought it was going to be a hero. great night. Oh, it wait. didn't turn out that way. I love that. All right, so practical, starting with this perspective shift. So the second one you talk about is, you know, as we're trying to mobilize our church here, is just getting people to understand that, this is a way of life, not not a program or not something where you just check the box. Why don't you talk about that? Sure. Um, you know, we've heard people say, man, you know, mediocre leaders think in terms of programs, great leaders think in terms of values. And so one of the nice benefits we have is that, that the value of service starts from the top and works its way down. And so even from our new member class, as we work through core values with our community groups, our small groups, we talk about missional engagement as a core pillar of that. Through the 4B, which is our annual assessment, we make sure that that service is a part of um, the Christian walk. And so it's, it's a, an outflow, again, of who we are as followers of Christ. And so it's a value. And so then we can build on that and create some, some initiatives and strategies around that. Jeff, I'd love to just come back for a second when you talked about it starts at the top. Uh, lots of examples around that uh, here. And I think it's good just for leaders to be thinking about, am I modeling this as I call other people to it? So one of the one of the examples I was just thinking as you were talking was uh, we had made a big push, a big investment to start mentoring down in an area of town that's just a little less resourced uh, than where our church sits. And so you and uh, Todd stood up, kind of cast a vision for what this mentoring program uh, would look like. And Todd said, well, I, I'm, I'm in on this as well. And so he began to invest uh, in a young man um, just as he was calling everyone else to. And, you know, the parts I know about it anyway uh, were really, really beautiful. He didn't brag about it. He didn't call attention to himself, but he had, he did have a story to tell. And, um, and, and it gave him credibility as he stood and called others to that. And so part of this, um, making this a value is you, you always have to model values. You can't just yell at your people and tell them this is a value. You've got to model it. And Todd, you know, with this young man, I, I remember going, hey, what'd you do this weekend? And he said, well, I was taking this young man to college and uh, helping him get moved in. And I just thought, wow. You know, and I don't even know if he shared that with the, with the body, but he's modeled what he's called our people to. And that is absolutely part of mobilization is you jumping in as a leader and modeling this as well. That's great. So it's this, uh, this perspective shift, getting people to understand that it's a way of life. It's not something you just check the box. The third thing that I've heard you talk about is just getting the body to realize that mobilization and getting outside of the church walls, this is a gift. This mm -hmm. is a gift. This isn't an obligation. This isn't what we said. This isn't a have to. This is a get to. So 
why don't you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I think, uh, again, you know, if I even just look at my own life, you know, for so many years, uh, I, I tell folks I was sort of chasing the American dream and adding church to it. Again, I didn't really know how to marry my faith with work or faith with Michelin. You get, what did that look like? And, um, man, part of it was, man, do I, do I just work harder so I can make more money to give to the church? Do I work hard so I can retire early and then I can be missionally engaged? Or, you know, uh, it wasn't really until years, years, years and years later and getting around guys who showed me, man, the Christian walk is all about the dues and going, hey, missional engagement is here and now. So, um, I don't know if I'm called to go overseas on a short-term mission trip. I know that I'm called to be salt and light right here in my office, right here in my neighborhood, right here in my school. And so um, I say it's a gift because um, it is a gift when you unleash your people and help them identify, develop, deploy their gift, and then show them how they can serve the community and advance the kingdom through those. And, and I mean, the scripture that you that you use to just let people know, hey, this is part of your calling. You have this call, regardless of what your vocation is, you have this call as what? Ephesians 2.10, yeah. for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to walk in them. So good. So leaders, you're listening to this. Uh, Jeff has just got a great phrase. This is a gift to give people. And you know, I think a lot of times we we feel like we give people a gift that they get to come to our meetings or to our listen to our sermons, you know, and people can only listen like so long before, you know, um, they just tune out. They've got to do something. People have this innate desire to do. And that's that's both Christian and non-Christian. You're just seeing culturally people want to be engaged with things that matter. And so you can lag uh, or you can be on the front end uh, of that and give these people a gift. Give them really, I think the thing that most of them, many of them are terrified, but most of them are deep down want to do things that matter. They want to engage in their community. And you're not calling them, uh, we are calling them something hard, but um, it, it's not a beating. It's a blessing that you're you're giving them uh, the opportunity. And you, you, need to, you need to think about that every time you uh, make a call to action that I'm, I'm giving you guys a gift. I'm letting you in on something amazing and not sheepishly um, kind of selling it or position it, um, manipulate. This is a gift that I'm giving you. I mean, we, we all have young kids or yours are a little bit older than mine, but remember there's something about that when a kid is watching uh, a basketball game or watching a baseball game or watching a football game and they're maybe first, second, third grade, what do they do when they sit there and watch it? They, they've, their attention span lasts for about five minutes and then they're like, I want to go outside. I want to do. Like I've been watching that now. I, it's in me. I want to go and do that. And that's what I'm hearing you say with a lot of this stuff. Like, is our communication, is our preaching and the way that we're shifting the perspective and letting them see this is a way of life? Is it producing this stuff in people where they're like, okay, I've got, I want that story. I want to be able to experience what that is and that gift that it is to, to be able to go out there and engage the community. Yeah. So I, I think, man, I think there's two ways um, we think about this when we when we try to communicate about opportunities or a new initiative or ways that people can begin serving and we think about are we inspiring and are we inviting? And so on the inspiration piece, that's, man, there's a couple of ways that we motivate people, uh, either through duty or beauty. And so those are different things. And so in duty, it's about me. It's about uh, it's self-absorbed. Beauty is more about outside of 
uh, yourself. And so the way I talk about this is when I was little, I used to take these art lessons and I'd pay a lot of money or my parents would pay a lot of money. And I'd go on a Saturday afternoon and I'd paint these pictures and I was terrible. And I, I still painted this lion that's sitting up in my attic today. But I paid all this money. I was terrible at it. And, and I look back and it was all about duty, like doing this thing because I, my parents were paying money to do it. Um, and yet now I'll go pay a lot of money to see great art. And it's about the beauty and it's about the inspiration of that. And so we try to inspire people really with what God's already doing, hmm. you know, what, how he's working across our communities and internationally through his church. And we've stopped sort of saying, hey, we want to recruit people because there's a need, you know, and we start saying, hey, here's a, a way that you can engage with the Lord in his work and really inspire them. Because if we, um, if, if we use guilt and shame, um, that's cheap and short-lived and um, and not biblical. Which, you know, as a church leader, here's a really practical thing that could be helpful with the mobilization and something that I think we've meet, seen model pretty well around here. It's just, you need to have a mechanism to tell stories. Because if there's people out there that are engaging, bringing those stories back and telling people, those can be so inspiring. It's not what should be, you know, just, it's not only vision of, of here's what the future could look like if we all did what scripture commands us to do. It's going, hey, here's what Susan did last week, and here's the story. And that can be so inspiring, which I know I'm, we're so grateful for the way we just build it into our bulletin. You know, we call it our watermark news that every week there's a story in there. And we're always looking to just get stories out there because we know how inspiring stories could be. So as a church leader, that may be one simple way to work on the inspiration piece is just, hey, do we have a way to, to publicize and get these stories out there? Yeah, regardless, just when you do communicate, you want to make heroes out of yeah. those people. People will gravitate to that which you celebrate. I mean, they just, you celebrate it, they'll find themselves doing that. And uh, you just make heroes out of those people. And a lot of times we make heroes out of people who just show up and are faithful which is great. Um, but if you start raising up and celebrating some other things, you'll watch your whole congregation uh, move that way. Yeah. And, and so when we tell those stories, like we, we always try to put a call out box there about next steps that people can take once they're inspired. And they're like, hey, I can do that. You know, I, even in my life stage, there's ways that I can serve with my family. And so we try to give them some easy, we, we say simply start and start simply. And here's a great next step. That's awesome. Talk some more about that, Jeff, because I think that is some of the genius of what you're doing is that you, uh, one of our phrases is we take the excuse, um, and you, you guys have done a good job helping people take the next step. And because uh, I think a lot of times we'll, we'll bring in some missionary, you know, and he'll tell these amazing stories about how he showed up in a foreign country with thirty-five cents, learned the language, and thousands of people came to Christ. And every other people sitting there going, "Yeah, I don't look good in a loincloth, and I'm not good with languages, so I'm kind of out on that." And they don't, they don't know Sounds what like the, personal experience. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I mean, personal. No. I want to say, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing this is a audio only. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, but you guys have other options than, uh, you know, get a long-term visa uh, that you're calling our people to. So talk about that. Sure. I, look, I think we, we often do this unintentionally as we either inspire or we invite. So we might tell a great story. We might talk about what God's doing, but we don't really connect who's hearing that story with that great mission, right? Or on the opposite side, we throw up a lot of service opportunities and, hey, here's some ways that you can do some things. And we don't really inspire them with uh, and connect that with God's great vision. And so we really try to, again, imperfectly, but we try to do both and really give people handles because sometimes you can inspire people and they, they feel that latent holy discontent, you know, or they say, hey, I, I'm passionate about a people, a geography, or 
um, doing something, but it's a little bit like stepping into the cockpit of a 747. They don't know what buttons to push. They don't know what levers to pull, uh, and they don't want to do something wrong, and so they tend to just lock up. And so what we try to do is give them just a path to participate. Yeah. And so that could be— and Tell the story, because I think we saw a great example of that this year with, with our uh, Unashamed weekend that we do. So why don't you tell the story of—there's uh, a great example of just taking away or trying to reduce the barrier to entry, taking away excuses. Sure. So Ryan Wall on my team w- went on a short-term uh, international discipleship trip, and um, in that process just got frustrated. They had, they had a single translator for the group that he was with. So there were language barriers. There were cultural barriers. And so he came back— and um, brought all that, you know, pent up, you know, frustration. And he said, man, I live in a city where I know the language and I know the culture. And so how are we doing and engaging our own community? And so Unashamed was born. And it simply is a monthly sort of mission trip, to use that word, into the city, you know, where folks get trained and, uh, you know, serve with ministry partners and um, share the hope of the gospel with folks that they meet. And so uh, that was a weekend, is a weekend experience where you go on a Friday and you get equipped and trained. And then on Saturday, you're doing some things and there's worship, you know, Saturday night downtown and then Sunday, um, you attend church. And so what we found is that was... um, it was great for the people who had the margin and the ability to do that, but a barrier of entry was it was a weekend format. And so um, Ryan sort of re-engineered that to make it a one-day, you know, sort of experience so that families, you know, could participate in that and kids could be equipped and trained. And so um, this weekend, you know, we'll be out there uh, doing the one day. Yeah, and it's such a great example of just going, hey, we can't expect everybody. We, w- we want everybody to live out this value. The way we've set it up, the quote program we've created, there's a big barrier to entry. If you have kids, you know, you got to get childcare or who can break away for a whole weekend. And you got to say, hey, we could probably still get 80% of the way there if we just changed a few of these and we can get more people involved. So now there's both offerings, right? Like you can do the full weekend or a one day. Yeah. And there's just no excuse to get involved. Yeah, you totally can. And so there's life stage, you know, barriers. There's those kinds of things. But then also, if you think about just the spiritual continuum, I think, again, some of what we default to is we tend to treat outreach as cookie cutter. Like, hey, we're offering this church-wide opportunity, and this is our outreach for the year. And so it might be, hey, we're going to do an Easter, you know, uh, extravaganza. We're going to um, do an Easter egg kind of outreach into the community. And so that might be terrific for folks who've never served or have never been in a particular part of the city. Um, but you might have folks f- further down on the spiritual spectrum where they really want to get into the weeds and they want to disciple people and they want it to be gritty and they're, they're resilient. And so um, what we've learned through the years, just again, through error um, more than anything, is that we try to have some on-ramp opportunities for folks to really just to dip their toe in the pool and be exposed to what God's doing around our community all the way down to um, really heavy-duty discipleship. Yeah. And, and practically what that spectrum looks like is uh, three hours on a Monday afternoon in the middle of the summer with your kids, you can go down and you can put uh, food on shelves down at Brother Bill's versus on the other end of the spectrum. Prison uh, ministry. Yeah, prison ministry. Or even like our, our neighbor friends that went to Turkey with with a group of people to go train uh, pastors, you know, over over in the Middle East. And so it's like, and then there's everything in between there. So you think even if you got a young young family with little kids, they can go down there and put cans of soup on a shelf for 90 minutes to two hours. They can do that. And then also if you got more margin, you can go, you can go do something more 
uh, more involved. And and I think I, it's so helpful for you guys where you're just going, hey, let's try to take away excuses. Let's make offerings. Let's get people out of the church walls and and make sure that we're inspiring them and inviting them, letting them know uh, exactly what these uh, what these next steps are. The reality, though, is there's a tension there, too. Because, I mean, we want to deploy the church, this army. And so uh, here at Watermark, we've got about 2,800 folks that are serving externally. And at the same time, um, we fight for... um we fight for impact over activity. And so we also go, uh, we try to fight the urge to automate out the heart shepherding piece of this. And so um, we are the church, we're not the Rotary Club. And so shepherding hearts matters and how we uh, help equip people with the motivation for why we serve and how we can do that wisdomfully without hurting. And, um, and then coaching them really with the right spot. So a lot of what we do, even for example, that that ministry partner that you mentioned, John, that's looking for mentors, um, a lot of what we do is try to talk people out of mentoring. You know, if they're looking for a first serve opportunity, that's probably not the place for them. You know, so we want to make sure their heart uh, is in a place where they're able to serve in that capacity and where we're really providing our best folks. That's great. So church leaders are driving around. They're near the end of their commute right now. This podcast is wrapping up. You've got one last thing to share with leaders about how to mobilize the church. What's, what's, your, what's your one last bit of advice that you would give them? Yeah, I think uh, when we talk about the Reformation, we talk about uh, Martin Luther, you know, uh, translating scriptures into German and giving the word of God back to the people. And I think as church leaders, man, our calling really is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And so I think for um, me personally, when I when I first started in, on staff, it was me and a part-time, you know, admin. And so there was, I went through a little bit of this burnout because I felt like, hey, there were all these overwhelming opportunities. And what I didn't realize then that I realize now was it's just, it's biblical and right um, to really equip the saints and allow them to do the ministry. And so give it back to them. All right, Jeff, thanks for being here. If you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you would like for us to consider for future episodes, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.